Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome in. It's the PHNX Cardinals podcast, audio only edition. I'm Johnny Venerable. He is Bull Brock. We are just three days away. Arizona Cardinals head to L.A. to take on the L.A. Rams. We're going to talk about the injury report, Bo Brock, and uh, familiar face, thankfully, finally back for the Arizona Cardinals and Maje Sanders. Also had a chance to chat with Kaylin Kaler of uh, The Athletic, senior NFL reporter, about a pretty scathing article she wrote about the toxicity surrounding the Cardinals' workplace for some of their team employees. But, Bo, uh, before we get to that, you had a chance to pop over to Old Tempe today where those fine people work. And uh, got to check out the former third-round pick of the Arizona Cardinals back on the practice field, Majay Sanders. What can you tell us? Yeah, we were walking out to the uh, inside practice bubble. You got to stand outside. They get inside. And Monty Ossifort met us there. There was no press release or anything. He was just like, hey, you're going to see Majay Sanders in there. He's back with us. Uh, We're going to try to get him ramped up. Uh, But he'll be back out there on the practice field. So he's going to be designated to return. That was the only roster move that they made. So 41 was back out there, the three sacks he had in his rookie season in an absolutely jam-packed pass rush room. I mean, they are going to have seven players that they're going to be able to deploy at some point once they activate Majay Sanders from IR officially. I don't know if that's going to be this week or if they're going to kind of do what they've done with Dennis Daly and Garrett Williams and get him back up to speed. But Majay Sanders will be back on a playing field uh, very soon, and the Arizona Cardinals are at full strength and and then some at the pass rush position i mean we talked to zavin collins and we said you know how how are you gonna how are you guys gonna get enough reps and even in a deep rotation where you guys are playing you know not you know around 50 percent of the snaps at the highest how are you gonna work somebody in he's just like that's above my pay grade but he likes the diversity that this group offers you know what majay sanders brings you know just kind of the pure speed rusher uh that the group doesn't have i mean they've got the big bruiser types you know him dumakeji they've got the guy with the whole repertoire of moves and Dennis Gardeck, scrappy guy. Um, and now they're going to add, you know, a big, tall, kind of slender, speedy pass rusher, Majay Sanders, potentially this group. But it's like, okay, you can continue to make that group stronger. You got, you got clearing holes elsewhere. So it's nice to get some pass rush uh, help back, but, you know, they still need you know, Jalen Thompson was out on the practice field, not practicing, uh, wasn't in uniform. Looks like uh, all signs are pointing to him not playing this week. So uh, you got to wait one more week for Buda Baker. And this defense is is ailing going into against a, a pretty strong offensive attack, especially in, in the passing game. Feels like Jesse Lucchetta is, I mean, he's listed as an outside linebacker. He's playing offense. He was a fullback last week. He's on special teams. Like they almost can get away with like, yeah, he's a pass rusher, but he's not going to play on pass rush downs. Like he does a bunch of stuff. So you know, they could kind of cheat the system and say, well, we don't really have true six guys in the rotation. I mean, to me, Maja Sanders was the most productive pass rusher they had last year, not named J.J. Watt at the end of the year. He's got length, explosiveness. He looked good against Atlanta. Um, and listen, like, we call a spade a spade. Like, this group, while there's numbers, 
the, it leaves a lot to be desired outside of like Dennis Gardeck having a nice surprise season. Like we talked about on a different show, like Zayvon Collins has have the like tongue in cheek, like one of the most least impactful, like eight to nine sack seasons in recent memories, not rushing the quarterback consistently in terms of pressures, right? Like Victor Dumikeji's cooled off. BJ Ozolari has been a non-factor. And then like probably the biggest disappointment for me, like Cameron Thomas is just, he's just turned into a Jag this year, kind of just yeah. a guy. Right. And so, he and Maje were the two that you thought, okay, we've got something here before even they drafted BJ Ojolari. So, I mean, like, there's plenty of time left, five weeks or into the season, twelve weeks to go. But this is not a this is not an untouchable group. Like, and they're you know outside of safety, maybe there's not an untouchable group. Maybe maybe quarterback heading into next offseason, but like everybody's vulnerable. Like Zayvon Collins right now, probably not going to get his fifth year option picked up. Just at the, this level, if you're going to pay somebody big time eight figures fifth fifth year option money like you need 12 to 13 sacks right you need production you need pressures it feels like this group they're just waiting for somebody to take the baton maybe it's Majay Sanders because again like even with the time missed he's got a, a skill set bow that we've talked about that a lot of these guys don't have length and speed he's a speed rusher he's a speed rusher at Cincinnati and he's somebody that it, tra- it looks like it translated well during his rookie year Everybody else is kind of like a power guy outside. Like Gardeck is an anomaly he is what he is, but everybody else tries to bull rush offensive tackles. Cardinals need desperately Majay Sanders to give them juice because especially with the secondaries, you just mentioned no Jalen Thompson. Mm-hmm. They like, unless you're getting after Matthew Stafford, Geno Smith, these next two weeks, like the, that, that DB group is super vulnerable. Yeah. They're going to have to step up their game up front to give a pedestrian to below average group. Behind them, a chance to compete against Cooper Cut and uh, one of the most dynamic rookies, the 2023 you know class, if not the most, in Puka Nakua. Uh, Jonathan Ledbetter continues to be out there. You mentioned Cameron Thomas; he was somebody that looked like they were looking at him during practice. Showed up on the injury report, has a thigh. Uh, it's a long list, a bunch of limited guys. Yeah, Williams continues to be limited. We'll see if he's available. You know, at some point, like. Going into next week, next week is going to be the final week for for Garrett Williams before they've got to activate him or he's lost for the season. And and I don't think it's going to come to that, but it is questionable, you know, whether or not he's going to be available this week. But good news, you know, you've got your top wide receiver in Hollywood Brown. Joshua Dobbs is going to be a full strength in the passing attack. Uh, That's a group that's going to need to get back on track, look decent in the first half outside of the pick six. Um, in in a, a pretty good opportunity here against the Los Angeles Rams. So, you know, when you look at this, when you look at this like injury report, outside of like the big names, obviously, you know, your two starting safeties that you knew you were down, down Buddha, you probably knew you were going to be down JT, uh, and then of course the big obvious one is like Kyler Murray. It's like okay, now that Maje Sanders has been designated return, like there's been there's four people that are eligible to return, and they've returned three of those. And the one that's not that, that remains eligible, that's not been designated, old Kyler Murray. But uh, he was out there today chopping it up with Jonathan Gannon. It just feels like he's close, man. It, it just feels like he's close. Oh, man. We played this game how many weeks in a row? Hey, I had a source text me today and said that I'd be shocked if he wasn't activated next week. Now, okay. again, like take that for what it's worth. I mean... Like how I don't know how much we're allowed to give away on this podcast. It's shit. It's an audio only. It's not on YouTube. Whatever. If you if you're listening, we appreciate you. Like and subscribe. I mean, back when we got our eyes on like Garrett Williams and Kyler Murray both rehabbing, 
Like, remember that, like, in the early portion of training camp and we were there and we were watching him as closed practice. We can't say a ton. Like, it was evident, like, Garrett Williams was ahead of Kyler Murray at that time, like, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, his recovery. Like, it significantly. It felt he, like Garrett was, though. I mean, he was right. just, as far as when the injury happened and when the surgery happened, sure. And so, like, if you take, if you contextualize it like that, and Garrett Williams has only been active for, what, like a week? Like a week and a half? Uh, by Sunday or whatever it is like I mean they are taking their immense time with the guys that tore their ACL that are young that are respectfully Zach Ertz part of their NFL future Mm -hmm. like it's shocking to me Zach Ertz is playing right now and he's basically like he's gotten better he caught a touchdown last week maybe he's playing himself into shape but like if Zach can we be real for if Zach Ertz was a 25 year old like former first round pick of this team like maybe they would have used a little bit more caution (laughs) I, I don't if it was Trey McBride, he wouldn't be back, right? Right. Now. Like, I, I I, don't, like, make that make sense to me, that Zach Ertz got hurt about six weeks after Garrett Williams. He's in his 30s, right? And he's activated, and he he's played in five games, and he led, fucking led the targets in week one. And yeah. Kyler Murray's not back playing. Like, you can't tell me, and I love Jonathan Gannon. Like, you can't tell me everything. You can't call a spade a spade here. Not everybody is just cut, black and white, cut and dry, like, you have more invested in Garrett Williams and Kyler Murray. Well, he said that. He said that. Like, everybody has their own plan. Everybody has their right. own process. Well, their plan is these guys are worth more to us in 2024 and beyond, it looks like. So we have to be very careful. It's kid gloves with the ACL well, guys. And also with, with Ertz at this stage in his career and all his accomplishment and all the respect that he's earning, he's also earned the right at this stage in his career to pretty much declare himself whatever he wants to declare. Like, I'm going to play. You can't right. stop me. Well, yeah, and it's like, well, we'll let you like you you give us a boost at the in the tighter room. Like when you were looking at who was available in training camp, like Zachers now, even though like you've seen a couple drops here and you, you see not the better last player. week. Right, right. Absolutely. And you've seen him evolve and develop. But I think he earned his, the right to say, Okay, I wanna I wanna go week one and they, they gave him that they gave him that uh that respect. That was five weeks ago. Think it's about five. that. Kyler Murray hasn't practiced one time with this team. One time. Jonathan Gannon's been the coach since February. Kyler Murray has yet to do a center handoff exchange at a live practice with Yelda Froldhold. And Zach Ertz, who's 100 years old, has been active for five weeks. That's crazy to me. So, yeah, like, I want to believe this source saying, you know, I'd be pretty surprised. I'd be shocked if it wasn't next week. I mean, both the shit, the video you put out there of, like, He's basically bouncing next to Jonathan Gannon. Like, is he bouncing because he's like, man, I'm so fired up to come back next week? Or is he bouncing like, you got to take me off this list. I'm I'm going nuts. <laughs> I Get mean, in there. He looks spry. Gannon even said himself. He looks like he's got a little pep in his step. I mean, he's close. He, he's got to obviously go through all the, get all the medical clearance and all that. You know, all the checkpoints that they mentioned training camp that him and Ertz needed to go through and all these injured guys. And it's just a process. And, and hopefully that process is coming to a conclusion and we could start to see like it. Cause it's weird. Like we've talked about it so much, but Kyler Murray and, and what he could bring to this team, but we really don't know. Like we've, we, we haven't really previewed what it's really going to look like with him and Jonathan Gannon. I just feel like it's premature until he's activated. Yeah. I, no, I hear you. Yeah, I mean, Joshua Dobbs, he, he was talking on Wednesday. He's the quarterback of this team uh, until further notice. He's going up against 
Aaron Donald and the Rams. It's not Kyler Murray going up against Aaron Donald. It's, it's Joshua Dobbs likely going to be on the road in Seattle and another big division game taking on the Seahawks. So it's I, I, I get it. Like we don't want to prematurely start, you know, examining what it's going to look like. But once it's once he gets back on the practice field, then it's just it's full go. It's full tilt. Kyler. Well, that was giving me my explain to the folks, because you brought this up before you're you're brought off of pop. You you open the practice window. Mm-hmm. You've got three weeks to be activated, or you're done for the rest of the year. So right. hypothetically, like so, we've heard from people in the know that they want to give Kyler Murray two full weeks of practice mm-hmm. and then set him loose. So the, hypothetically, if he's activated next week, wouldn't play against the Seahawks. Would play against the the Baltimore Ravens at home. Man, Bo Brock, like I feel like even though people have told us that's what they want to do, and I trust people that have told us that. It feels like they will squeeze this fucking lemon and do all three weeks of practice. Like with each passing day, it's like, you know what? Why don't we just push that back a week? We got the extra week, Kyler. Just take your time. I hope that doesn't happen. I have nobody telling me that. Yeah. So it's Jonathan Gannon's homecoming in Cleveland. They're like, I think from what I've heard, they're going to wear the black alternate uniforms. Assuming that he gets activated next week. Right. Shit, like he could get activated the next week after that and they could push it three weeks back. we we'll continue to push things, right? Which is just, it's a nightmare. It, it is. I mean, it is. Because- That's mid-November at that point. <laughs> I listen, I, ho- I want to be wrong about that, right. but I like, I can't. Bo, I thought he was. I thought he'd be back by now. I'm wrong. I'm on the record. Like I thought, early October, mid October, to play a game. Not even like we're still waiting for them to flip the light on. Hey, come in and practice. Get some snaps. Mm-hmm. Like that hasn't even happened yet. Right. So for me to sit here and say like, well, when that happens, it'll be a quick turnaround of two weeks. Then he can play a game. No, they're they're squeezing that lemon. It's going to be all three weeks you, they, until I'm proven otherwise. I hope I'm wrong. If they designate him Monday. Monday yeah. is, you know, team comes in, they watch the film from the previous game. And that's about it. Tuesday, players are off. Wednesday, first day of install. You, then you've got the next, it's it's three days of practice, Wednesday through Friday. And then Saturday is a is a mock game, glorified walkthrough, right? And then it's game day. No practice, nothing. Well, there's for a travel game. day too. Right. There's no there's nothing, you know, for designated to return practice players, right? So you're getting, you're realistically getting three days of practice. So two weeks is six days of practice. He'll be on the, he would be practicing Monday privately. Yelda Froldolt and him would be taking exchanges. You're allowed to do that. This isn't college. You don't have like a finite amount. He's practicing bow every day until he plays his game. All right. You will not have an off day. No way. They're going to have to like, Everybody at 50. He was talking to, about Dobbs. He doesn't think Dobbs even takes Tuesday off. He said he, he believes. Oh, I believe that for sure. Together game plans and plays that he wants to run. Ky- Kyler, if he, if they, if they said you have three weeks to get ready, he'll do 21 straight days of prep for this. I, I have no doubt, but I think it's going to be three weeks and not two weeks after he gets activated. Cause I don't trust them. I trust them, but I don't trust what they're saying. Cause they're squirrely JG. There's, it's just going to be it's going to be so it's going to be almost surreal because we've been talking about it so much that if it happens Monday and now we're it's, it's like you're waiting for your kid to be born right it's like it's going to happen I'm confident somebody fucking induce the Cardinals and the activating Kyler Murray please that's what I need to have happen anything else happen to practice today 
<laughs> no, pretty quiet day. Uh, but good to see Maje Sanders back out there. Uh, good to see Hollywood Brown back out there in a limited capacity. But then, then you're seeing this team is the rigors of the NFL where you, you've just got a, a battered and bruised and nicked up roster right now. And that's what they're dealing with in, in a very real reality where two of their leaders are going to be out on the back end of this defense of Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson. But with, you know, the idea that reinforcements are, are quickly coming around, you know, talk about somebody who seems like they're close. You know, I don't I, I would be shocked if Buda Baker is not designated to return on Monday. Like, hell yeah. Similar. So be quite the news day for this little podcast that could Buda Baker, Kyler Murray simultaneously on the practice field next Monday, Bo Brock. And uh, you'll get that definitive coverage nowhere else but here on the PHNX Cardinals podcast. Bo, we got our Friday preview show. Uh, and then we've got a watch party. I encourage everybody to come check out at BetMGM this weekend. Myself, Bob Brock, Britton Golden at BetMGM to watch the Arizona Cardinals travel to L.A. to potentially maybe upset the uh, L.A. Rams. We've also got our first PHNX Draft podcast up right now live on the YouTube page. Audio version of that dropping later this week. Content coming out the ears, including our special one-on-one with Kalen Collar of The Athletic, senior NFL writer. I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen it, read the article, the troubling Arizona Cardinals workplace culture that had both some employees living in fear. I'm sure we're going to talk about that, you and I, greater detail on Friday's show. But here it is, the one-on-one with Kalen as it relates to this article and what it could mean for Michael Bidwell and the Cardinals moving forward. Johnny Venerable, PHNX Cardinals here with Kalen Kaler, senior NFL writer and reporter for The Athletic. Kalen, you dropped a banger of an article on Thursday entitled The Troubling Arizona Cardinal Workplace Culture that had some employees, quote, working in fear and just kind of full transparency covering this team like we do here at PHNX Cardinals. Like, we've heard rumblings about this. It, it came back from the NFL PA survey. Things were not good with the Cardinals, how they maybe treated some of their employees. What made you want to write this article? Was it people reaching out to you? How did this all start? Yeah, I think it started. Um, I mean, the NFL PA survey was probably the first window into it, but um, this story in particular focused just on like the workplace and not the football team. I think the football team of last year in the Cliff Kingsbury era is still a really good story that needs to be told. And I had to kind of separate the material that I had because to put them into one story was just like way too much because there were so much weird things that happened last season um, to the coaching staff and the players. And so I didn't even touch on that in this story because it just was too much information. So the way I got into this story, which was about the workplace. So like, you know, your finance, business side, ticket sales, uh, marketing, those people who we don't think about who work for NFL teams. I got into that because in April, Terry McDonough um, filed his arbitration demand to the NFL. And he was the former Cardinals executive who was alleging the burner phone scheme. And in his arbitration demand, you know, he has all these details about the burner phone scheme, which I'm sure the listeners of this um, podcast are very familiar with already. Um, in that arbitration demand, he says it was a hostile workplace environment. I think hostile was the word that he used. And he um, accuses Michael Bidwell, Bidwell of bullying him, harassing him, and retaliation. And then he has some other details in there about things he either saw or heard of happening, like Bidwell yelling at a young uh, African-American scout who parked in his parking spot was one of the examples. And then 
Bidwell also yelling at two pregnant women. Those were also part of Terry's complaint. So those really were interesting to me because I was like, wow, this sounds like a terrible place to work. Like, let's see what I can find out. Because some of the stuff in Terry's complaint was like secondhand. He was like, not, he didn't witness it. He's like, you know, it, it was phrased like he'd heard of this instance. So I wanted to start reaching out to as many people I could find who either worked for the Cardinals or currently worked for the Cardinals. Um, so that's what I did uh, since April. Took a break over the summer. I wasn't like doing this for the last, you know, six months continuously. But right. I started calling people um, shortly after Terry's complaint um, just to try to find out more. And I'd already been kind of digging a little bit into like the football side of things. So then I was like, well, there actually might be something more interesting on the workplace side of things. Yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic read. I encourage everybody go check it out. There's a ton to break down, but it's something that I thought in particular was incredibly damning. How does a professional NFL franchise not have a human uh, resources department? Yeah. Like not have a rep, a human resources relations department for upwards of, of 10 plus years. Like how, how does that happen in a multi-billion dollar corporation business like the NFL? Like is this common with other teams? You know, I don't know. I didn't do a all 32 search to see who has a HR director in their media yeah. guides. I mean, I looked, you know, throughout the division and like sporadically, and it seems like most teams do. Um, but I didn't go, you know, I didn't do a thorough search and like looking back. I mean, the Cardinals do now. They've had right. one since 2021. So, you know, I didn't go back, you know, to 2010 to see which NFL teams had an HR director and which ones didn't. I would say it's definitely very out of the ordinary for a business that's bringing in the amount of revenue that the Cardinals are and that employs the amount of people that the Cardinals do. They have about 250 employees, which including the football staff, coaching staff, player personnel, everything on the football side is all of that together with the other employees is about 250. So yeah. that's a pretty big company. And like, I mean, for context, the last media company I worked for had about 22 staffers and we were a startup and we hired an outside um, like independent HR firm. Like we just yeah. consulted with them. We, I mean, we didn't employ a full-time HR person, but we contracted another company. And when I was checking this with the Cardinals um, and asking them, Hey, is, am I correct that everyone told me you didn't have an HR department? You didn't have an HR director. And if you go through and look at their media guides, there's no one in the role. They have one person in finance who had a slash her, her um, title was like payroll slash benefits or like HR coordinator was in her role. But when I talked to people who worked there, they were all like, no, no, she didn't do HR. She did yeah. like literally payroll issues. She didn't do, you know, if you have an issue in the workplace, like who do you resolve it with? She didn't do anything like that. So that was really odd to me. And that was something that like everyone I spoke to kept bringing up because yeah. they were like, yeah, we had all these problems, but we had nowhere to go with the problems because, mm -hmm. you know, if we had a problem with our, with our manager, like the way that they were supposed to handle it at the time without an HR department was to go to the manager. So they were supposed to take their complaints to the person essentially that they had a problem with which obviously is an issue. So that is, that was really surprising to me that it, they really didn't have an, you know, and they, and the team told me, well, we didn't ignore the survey in 2019. We didn't ignore the employee survey because what came out of that was that we hired our first chief people officer because people said they wanted an HR department. So 
Yeah. I mean, the team is like fully admitting that they did not have an HR department. That's incredible. And, and they didn't know they needed one until people told them in a survey that they, I, yeah. So that part was really strange, very strange. Well, and the, the I think one of the most damning pieces of the entire article and then some sub bullets that, that came back from the suit from this past spring is the mistreatment of women and the perpetual fear that they have lived in going into the workplace consistently and just the archaic. Like I, I read some of your experts excerpts in the article and it's like 1950s, like kind of how we treat you know women in the workplace, housewife ask. That's what it reminded me of which is really, really disheartening as somebody who loves the Cardinals, covers this team, that women in the workplace, maybe people of color, were being treated this way for an NFL franchise in the modern era. Like, there are a lot of people in this fan base that would love to see this franchise under under new ownership. Like, do you believe with this information coming into light, like, is Roger Goodell going to be prompted to do an internal investigation? Because people have alluded to that. This is a franchise. They host Super Bowls. They put on a good show when necessary. But, I mean, like th this mistreatment of, of women and making women not feel comfortable to go about and, and have conversations with professional athletes, that's absurd. Yeah, I'm not sure if this all adds up to enough for the NFL to investigate. I thought that the burner phone scheme would probably be enough for them to investigate, but they didn't based mm -hmm. off of that. So um, I'm not sure that this, I mean, all of my reporting and these details are really interesting and are definitely a problematic workplace environment, but I don't know if any of it on its own rises to the level of warranting an investigation. Um, it's an interesting idea to explore. And I know pro, pro football talk when they wrote it up today, they, they had asked the same question. They said, maybe people at park Avenue will read this and it'll be enough for them to conduct, conduct an investigation. Um, so I don't know the answer to that question. I'm sure there's league meetings next week with owners and team presidents. So I'm sure um, somebody will probably ask Roger Goodell that question. And, you know, I'm sure he won't actually answer it, but, um, yeah, I don't really, I don't know exactly, you know, what it will all add up to, but I was shocked. And that was another reason that I wanted to start reporting this. Cause I had heard that women who worked for the team media in a media capacity were not allowed in the locker room. I'd heard that maybe about a year ago. And I was like, that is crazy. And I'm like, they're not allowed today. And the, so the COVID the locker room was closed in 2020. And then it was also closed to media again in 2021. Right. So they finally allowed women who were for the team to be part of the open locker room sessions last season, 2022, which was the first year that locker room was back. So, um, you know, they told me that they planned to change it in 2020, but then they sure. couldn't. But it's still like, OK, in 2020, like you weren't allowing women who worked for your team in 2020 to go into the locker room. Like that's that's like 30 years late. Like right. that's crazy to me. And I don't know of any other team that had that policy in place. And um, yeah, I mean, that's just, you can't do your job if that's right. the, like, you just, you're at a disadvantage to your male colleagues who can go into the locker room and build relationships. What about women in the office attempting to build relationships with their peers, potentially professional athletes, just common decency, being able to communicate with somebody and then maybe like, kind of an unwritten rule that everybody else has to kind of tell them, you know, we're not in favor of you doing that. It's probably in your best interest not to do that. Like uh, the Cardinals, in my opinion, like commenting on that, I think would be necessary. I think it's absolutely something that they've 
needed to address as it relates to all this stuff coming out, but just as it relates to, you know, within their Tempe facility, and it sounds like potentially people are, are moving outside of the Tempe office. Some people have reported that. How did you come about that information with with women potentially interacting and not being able to interact, I should say, with the professional athletes on the team? Yeah, I mean, I talked to several women who uh, have worked there and they all kind of described the same thing of like, you know, whether no matter what their job description was, it was sort of the same feeling of like, I felt like one of them said, you know, we're walking on eggshells. Like I felt like I couldn't be in certain parts of the building. And if I was, I had to like get through real quick, get out of there. Um, and you know, one woman told us that a player, um, sat by her on a team flight and they had a nice conversation and she'd seen him do that with her male colleagues and nobody thought anything of it. And then when, when it happened to her, when they had a conversation, she heard from a male colleague, oh, it's not a good look for you to be doing that. So it's just, it felt like everything was kind of rooted in this like assumption that like the women who worked there were going to somehow be distractions to the players or the coaches or the football staff who were men. And that's just obviously a very sexist um, practice. Right. So, yeah. And then my favorite personal anecdote in the story was that um, the the wall, the frosted uh, glass wall anecdote where, um, you know, there was an area of the second floor where a, a department that was predominantly women were working and coaches. It was a highly high traffic area of the whole, of the office. So coaches, people would walk by. Um, male football staffers would walk by and they would stop and say hello and chat. And obviously that was the, the women understood that to be off limits to them, but the coaches didn't either, either they never heard the same rules or they didn't follow them. So the coaches were chatting. And then a few days later, um, the director of this department said to one of the women who worked there, Hey, we're going to put up this wall. Like, you know, a cubicle wall is pretty short. So you can right. see over it. So they yeah. added this like several foot extension to the top of a cubicle wall, basically to block the women from anyone walking by and to essentially cut off those conversations. And they never heard the women who the woman who I spoke to who worked behind that wall. She did not hear from anyone directly that Michael Bidwell wanted that. Um, it was just explained to her as, oh, we're going to cut down on um, hallway traffic here, you know, something, some euphemism like that yeah. to kind of like couch it. So it wasn't ever directly explained. We're doing this because Michael doesn't like it when, um, women talk to men. Like that was never explicitly said, Right. but that is the way that she interpreted it. And the way that others that I spoke to also interpreted it because they saw the wall and they were like, Oh, I know exactly why that was put up. Right. right. Like, so, um, Again, that's like an unwritten thing because nothing was set in stone that, you know, we put up this wall because of this reason. Like they never said that to anyone directly, but the people who worked there felt that that was why it was put up. And, you know, sure, maybe you're trying to get your workers to be more productive, but um, you're also like cutting down on camaraderie mm -hmm. and like you know, the feeling of being a team and a family in the office. So that did not did go over well with the employees who uh, were in that area. 
I'll get you out of here on this, uh, Caitlin. Again, reader work, fantastic stuff at The Athletic. It's come out. The Cardinals are are kind of making a big show of it. They're bringing uh, a bunch of their team employees out mm-hmm. to Los Angeles for the, for the Rams game this weekend. They put it out there. We got two private jets for this weekend's game. Do you feel like a lot of this that's come after the fact of, obviously, you're reporting now and what's happened in the spring, the NFLPA grades, is this true change by the Cardinals or is this damage control, right? I mean, you finish next to last near the Washington Commanders owned by Dan Snyder in the NFLPA grades, and then subsequently now you're being sued. People are coming out to, to report on, on and basically just in uh, a toxic work environment. Do you think that based on the people that, if you've had contact with them now that still work there, this is true change or is this a Band-Aid? Um, the people who work there mainly felt it was kind of a Band-Aid. So... When I asked the Cardinals, I got to talk to, you know, obviously like Cardinals PR and um, some people in the organization just for context and all of these things. And I asked, um, you know, did you have any of these things planned before Terry McDonough came out with his claims that this was a hostile workplace? Because it's very easy to think, oh, okay, all of these things were public after that happened, like the listening sessions happened after Terry. Um, they made all these changes this summer. They redid the bathrooms this summer. They had summer Fridays, shorter hours, food trucks on Fridays, little perks like that. You just mentioned the Rams game trip. Um, they hired an independent consulting firm to do a review of the workplace as well. And all of that was announced after Terry's claims became, which were very public and very negative PR. So it's easy to think, well, obviously that was all a reaction to this, but they told me that no, in fact, they had already planned these things. Now I don't have any documentation for that. I just have to take them at their word that they had planned um, the listening sessions. They planned to do a workplace review and Sean Mayo, the director of HR right now, he did do listening sessions when he was first hired in July and August of 2021. So that may be true that this was his second round of listening sessions and he was always planning to do them, the timing, whatever. Um, but I do think it's probably safe to say that like the negative PR of the survey of, or sorry, of the NFLPA report cards of Terry, it may have just accelerated that timeline a little bit um, for them to actually put some of some of these things in motion now. So it is an interesting, it, the timing is very interesting. And yeah, the people, one person I spoke to who works there was like, I like these, this is nice. Like all of these things are nice, but we're, we're all kind of questioning like, why? Like, is this really being done in our best interest or is it being done to kind of make us forget the things that are happening? You know, somebody said like, okay, great. We have all these things on Fridays, but like, this is supposed to make us forget what's happening between Monday and Thursday. Right. So I think they're, I think they're trying, I think they're making good. Some of it is a good faith effort, like an independent review. That's great. Like that's somebody else who's assessing your workplace and hopefully they'll take some of those, you know, whatever they find, they'll take that into account and make some changes. And I also thought the last thing I'll say is I really thought Michael Bidwell's statement to us was really interesting because I'm going to pull it up and read it because I don't want to paraphrase it incorrectly. Well, he admitted, hold on, needing to make some, some changes. And I, yeah. 
Um, I think that comes with knowing that you're under a microscope as a franchise. Yeah. He said, I certainly have room to grow. And with the benefit of hindsight, would have done some things differently over the years. I also know that my direct approach doesn't always land well. And I'm working on that. So, and there's like two more sentences after that. Um, That wasn't his full statement, but that was the part that really I was like, wow. Okay. So like he, you know, because you could just, you could go several ways with a statement like that. Like you could deny or you could just focus on what you're doing that's new um, and kind of ignore what people are alleging of you. But he actually was like, I've made mistakes basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought that was actually a really interesting statement and it wasn't what I expected. Well, if anything, the, the good news of all of this coming out, if there is good news is the people that work there that continue to work there are having their lives made better by reports like this. Uh, So thank you so much, Caitlin, for taking the time today. Again, check her out. Senior NFL writer at the athletic read the article. It is absolutely worth your read one more time. It is called the troubling Arizona Cardinal workplace culture that has some employees working in fear. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Thanks, Johnny. (laughs) 